Don't let anyone rent a space in your head unless they're a good tenant. This is the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast. I'm your host, Craig Chamberlain. If it's your first time joining me, welcome. I'm glad you tried our podcast for today. If you'd like to subscribe, you can subscribe on YouTube, Facebook, and Rumble. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Wisdom Worth Knowing is brought to you by Audible, where wisdom, I'm sorry, where listening is the new reading. Get unlimited access to thousands of audiobooks completely free for 30 days. Sign up right now at audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot wisdomworthknowing.org to take advantage of that free, limited time offer. Don't let anyone rent a space in your head unless they're a good tenant. So we've talked a few times on the show about our ability to control those who are in our circle. Uh, One of the other episodes on the podcast that is on the same subject is your circle should want to see you win. Let me look up which episode that was in particular. There you go. Episode 17. Your circle should want to see you win. Your circle should clap the loudest when you have good news. If they don't get a new circle. So we've talked, uh, we've talked before about the importance of having a group or being surrounded by at times with people who help support you and help you grow. And this quote is on the same line. I do like that this quote does focus more heavily on our mental portion of that. In other words, how we process the things that people tell us. So we're going to go into that in a little bit of detail. We're going to also go into a discussion time at the end of the episode. So if you are watching the show live, feel free to leave any comments or thoughts in the chat section, and then we will talk about them at the end of the episode. So the very first part of the quote says, don't let anyone rent a space in our head. The implication here is we actually do have control over the thoughts that we allow to flow into our minds. And we also have control over what we decide to focus on. Uh, Also, the analogy of a renter and a tenant is quite hilarious because when somebody is renting a place, they are there temporarily, generally speaking, because it's renting. It's not a permanent spot. And so it does kind of imply that the person who you are allowing to occupy a decent amount of your time is also the kind of person who isn't committed to you. They are a temporary, or what they said is a temporary problem. Or they introduced a temporary thought that isn't necessarily something that should even be permanent. So... We do have to ask ourselves when we we catch ourselves overthinking about a particular thing or person or situation, whether or not that person, thing, or situation is of enough value to occupy our attention. Do we really value our time and attention? 
I think before we can even implement something that is like this quote, before we can even begin to really process what allowing people in our head looks like, we first need to actually value the time that we spend thinking about things and focusing on things. If we don't think that our attention, that we give things in our head, makes a difference in us in the long run, then we aren't going to give this quote any value. We are going to assume that we should be thinking about anything and everything all the time rather than focusing our thoughts on things in which we do have control over or do bring some value to us. A perfect example of this is when somebody criticizes you or gives you a hard time. Criticisms are not without value, right? They do give us some feedback on our behavior. They give us feedback on how people perceive us. They give us feedback on how people experience us. So it is good to have feedback from people, but we can easily obsess over what other people think of us, which isn't good. So a thought like that, which is a criticism, isn't really a thought that we want to, to, to occupy our minds like a, a tenant would. Like we don't, we don't want it to have set a permanent place or a long-term position in our minds for us to focus on for a long period of time. A situation like that is something that we, we want to take what we can from it and then just throw it out, the thought. We don't want to sit there and hyper-focus and obsessively overthink about it. Because if we do that, then we kind of get into that analysis paralysis thing in which we overthink a specific thought or situation to the point of, it crippling us in some way or maybe negatively affect overly negatively affecting our self-esteem and self-image and i'm thinking of certain situations that were super embarrassing for me in the past you know where where they constantly rehash themselves in my mind and although i've already learned the lesson from those events i still constantly rehash it and that's me allowing those particular situations to occupy or rent space in my head. And then there's just generally people who are toxic in nature, and, and that's their coping mechanism is to be negative and, and hurtful toward people. And this is something that's very conducive to the internet, obviously. You can receive extremely nasty comments and thoughts from people that if you sat down and tried to process all of them, obviously you would never get anything done. Because <laughs> none of these comments are, first of all, constructive. And second of all, they're not really worthy of our time and attention. So we do need to be selective on the people we allow into our minds for criticisms and for feedback. We do need to be choosy. Generally speaking... One of the best things we can do is also try to acknowledge the fact that some people just don't have our best interests at heart and, and they're just trying to use us as an outlet for their thought, their own thoughts and frustrations. And if we identify those personality types, 
then it's a lot easier for us to kind of brush off the thoughts that they try to inject into our minds because a lot of people, they do want to get under our skin. Not a lot of people, but certain people. And if we can better identify those types of people, we can protect ourselves and our minds from allowing what they say and do to occupy too much of our time. Because our actions become an, an outpouring of the things in which we focus on the most. So if we focus too much on the things that aren't constructive, then we become unconstructive. And then we further take in to heart what they said, and then we become even more unconstructive. So we can kind of get in this negative feedback loop. So that do not let or don't let anyone run space in our heads, that's something we, we allow to happen. Like people don't just move in without our permission. Like we, we allow people to, just like a renter allows a tenant, we allow people to occupy parts of our minds. That's something we have complete control over in any relationship dynamic. And so we do need to be aware of that. First of all, that we do have control over the, the thoughts that we allow to occupy a good chunk of our time and focus and attention. And then, and then if we identify specific ones that just like, wow, why am I thinking, why am I allowing this? to occupy all of my time and attention. There are more constructive things that I can focus on that will get me to where I need to be. And I got a good book recommendation on this as well. We're going to get into that in a moment. But first, Wisdom Worth Knowing is bought, brought to you by Amazon Audible. If you're like me and you love reading but don't have the time, then Audible audiobooks may be the perfect solution for you. With Audible, listening is the new reading. You can pop in your earbuds and discover that next exciting adventure or expand your knowledge from any PC, Mac, Android, Alexa, or Apple device. And check this out. Because you listen to this show, for a limited time, you get instant access to thousands of audiobooks from Audible's Premium Plus catalog completely free. Just visit audible.wisdomworthknowing.org right now and take advantage of a free 30-day trial. That's right. For 30 days, you'll get full access to Audible's Premium Plus catalog as well as an additional free title of your choosing any book in their entire library. If you discover audiobooks aren't for you, no problem. You can cancel instantly online. That's it. It's that simple. Two years ago, audiobooks began to change my life, and they may change yours too. Pause this podcast and head over to audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E.wisdomworthknowing.org and sign up right now while you can. It's a limited time offer. So we're talking a lot about having control over the thoughts we allow into our minds. And one excellent book on this subject, and there is an audiobook version. I believe it's read by the author too, which I always like it better when the author reads the book. I feel like that they emphasize particular components or parts of the book that they felt were most important. At the very least, you know they're communicating the words out loud that were written as they were intended to be communicated. They're not being interpreted. The book is called The Battlefield of the Mind. It's by Joyce Meyer. And it, it talks about how our mind is a battlefield and we have the ability and the weapons, if we choose to cultivate them, 
to fight against negative thinking and negative people and the enemy. Of course, it is it is Christian at its roots, but I still think there's a lot of value there, even if you're not a religious person, because it does describe in, I think, very good detail what this kind of constant struggle of our thoughts looks like. And it does it does give a really helpful way of navigating this emotional battlefield. And it does give us emotional tools for not allowing people to rent space in our heads. And a lot of times it's, it's, it's positive reinforcement and it, it's just re, it's figuring out how to capture thoughts as they come in. Especially thoughts you know you're particularly vulnerable, vulnerable to. And then choosing to sh- acknowledge the thoughts for what they are. Don't, don't shove them deep down, but acknowledging them for what they are. Take what you can from them process them and then and then let them back out the door (laughs) you know what i mean it's like okay what can i get from this that's valuable if anything and if i can't get anything valuable from it how do i just shove it right back out the door you know it's it's not denying the existence of the thoughts because the thoughts are real and we should acknowledge them and deal with them but it's more it's more accepting what we can from them that is constructive and then moving forward from that because i don't think emotional suppression is a good thing i don't think pushing all of our thoughts deep down is the same as kicking somebody out of our apartment that's in our head because like the quote does emphasize that we don't want anyone to rent space in other words set up camp in our head that isn't good for us so there is an acknowledgement that it should be dealt with. You shouldn't just shove the person into another room in your head, like into a separate corner. And like you let all these negative thoughts in and then you, you like, no, I'll, I'll set that one into the basement. No, I'll send this one into the attic. I'll send this one into my kitchen. I'll send this one into my, like, in other words, it's not, de- we don't want to deny the thoughts and just shove them into corners of our minds and never address them because eventually we'll run out of space in our head and then people will start coming out of the basement and coming out of the kitchen and coming out of the like it'll start kind of encroaching on us so there is a necessary control component of this where we actually have to accept the thoughts that are coming in and then turn around and let them right back out the door say i get it i know where you're at but you're just not good here you're not a good fit leave i'm not gonna let you stay here you're not worth my time or attention. Having you here is is not good. Man, this renter analogy is great because then, like, imagine having a bad tenant. Imagine you have a, 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 a an apartment building or a house in which you've got five tenants. And one of the five just destroys the place all the time. And constantly fights and conflicts with the other four you have that are good and just makes them so miserable they want to leave. Like, you want to get rid of that person as quickly as possible, right? So that's a, it is a great analogy. Like, the more I think about it, the more I like it. And by the way, this wasn't my quote. I, should, I shouldn't take credit for it. This is, it's, it's actually a very common quote. I, I actually shared it on Facebook. It was part of a meme. And uh, the 
popularity of the quote is what made it the topic for today. That's actually how the topics are decided. But so I'm not sitting here going, wow, I'm a genius. I came up with this great quote. It's, it's actually a really common saying. But I can see why it's so popular because it does. It is, it's a great analogy. Also, the longer it's there, the more like it it becomes part of your mind or your house and the harder it is to kick them out. <laughs> so the longer you let a tenant set up shop, the harder it'll be to get, kick them out. So it's better to just show them the door sooner rather than later. Sorry, I, I'm just really appreciating the the analogy now that I'm really kind of fully processing it online. So we're going to move into the comments section here shortly. So make sure you post comments. I, I see a couple of them coming through. So I'm excited to kind of get into that here in a moment. And, I, and I'm genuinely curious to see how you guys use or if you have any coping strategies yourself for accepting thoughts and criticisms and negative people and thinking for what it is. So not just full out denying it and then turning around and kind of pushing those thoughts back out the door. Not shoving them deep down into repression or suppression, but just saying, okay, this is not constructive or useful, or I already knew this about myself, so there's not a lot of value here, and just acknowledging it and kicking it out. Because I think everybody kind of has a different method or methodology for, for dealing with negative thoughts and negative thinking. And I think it would be a mistake if we didn't acknowledge that we are because we are social creatures, we are impacted by the people and thoughts we surround ourselves with. And I don't think it is constructive or useful for us to deny that reality. Because we compare, we are social creatures, and, and we do take what people say seriously, whether we acknowledge that or not, in most cases. So it does matter what we surround ourselves with. And this is a particularly dangerous topic in the social media culture we're in because we, whether we acknowledge it or not, we are surrounding ourselves with a circle or group of influence that has a positive or negative impact on our outlooks. One of them in particular that one thing I've noticed, and this is kind of goes back to the audiobook thing where I do the, where I do the recommendation for Audible. But one of the things I did notice over the past few years, as I kind of began to listen to audiobooks or podcasts or certain personalities in the news, is that if I selectively chose people who were generally positive and constructive on their approach to life, and then I increased the amount of time I spent with those people, even though they're not, it's not in real life, it's just books or podcasts my approach to life actually became more constructive as a byproduct of spending more time with those people. Even if they, that's kind of one of the cool things about technology is you, you get to create your circle of influence. Obviously it can become dangerous in the sense that you can create an echo chamber in which you only insulate yourself with people who agree with you all the time. But, but there's also a valuable thing we can do with it. And we can leverage technology to surround ourselves with people who Average us up. And there's a really popular quote that says you spend, you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And, and this is true for the information we surround ourselves with too. We can surround ourselves with people like 
Joyce Myers, who wrote that Battlefield of the Mind book, she actually has a podcast. We can surround ourselves with people who are more neutral or positive or constructive in their news reporting, if we really like listening to the news. We can actually choose people who are more well-balanced and healthy in their approach to observing the news. Uh, We can do this for certain life situations we're going through. We can listen to audiobooks that are about building a stronger marriage or building stronger relationships or loving people better. Um, if you're a Christian, you can listen to more of the the Bible or read more of the Bible, you know, or, or spend more time in a devotion. Like, the more time we spend in saturated in this information, the more it kind of just seeps into us. And it does affect our personality. So we mo- before we move into discussion time, this show is brought to you by Audible, where listening is the new reading. Get unlimited access to thousands of audiobooks completely free for 30 days. Sign up right now at audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E.wisdomworthknowing.org. And it looks like we have a good amount of, of comments today. So let's move into the comment section. Tony says, happy hunt, happy hump day. Shout out to sensational candles. <laughs> Sounds like I'm advertising. But hey, thank you for joining and commenting. So you get that free shout out. Sensational candles. Brad says, good morning. Good morning, Brad. Welcome back. Regular listener. Appreciate you joining me in the live show. Wendy says, good morning. And she says, it's the criticisms with my mom. She doesn't know my husband, but she isn't willing to meet him. She negatively says she doesn't think anyone wants to meet him. I set boundaries yesterday. If he's not welcome, I'm not welcomed. You can't know a person by comments you have. You have to sit down and talk. I just don't know how to handle my mom's criticism about the past. I want to leave the past and move forward and start fresh, yet my mother won't let bygones be bygones. I need a better way to handle this. This is this is interesting because I, I obviously, we, we love our parents and we love our family deeply. And and it's just like a long-term family or friendship, you know. We can value those relationships. And, and that is always a question we want to ask you our, ourselves when we're dealing with with loved ones is how much do we value the relationship? And obviously it sounds like you value that relationship. And, and you should. You know, we we should value our relationship with our parents. That is a deeper I mean, the, the amount of sacrifice our parents make for us or made for us so that we can grow is indescribable. Like as a as now a parent of an eight and ten year old, I did not realize the substantial life sacrifice it takes to raise a child and the amount of yourself you give up in that process. And a lot of parents are just doing their best to navigate things to the best of their ability because there is no exact science to parenting. So it is important to know and understand how emotionally invested our parents are in us. Um, Now, that being said, we are our own individual people and we make our own individual choices. So we can't allow that sacrifice to define us. So there's always going to be a butting of heads as we become individuals with our parents because our parents have a vision for us as well. You know, they've dreamt about us at night when they saw us little and growing up and 
they had ideas of how we wanted to be and and we don't always meet those expectations so there's going to be conflict there like there's just no escaping it um So a lot of the times, like you said, is all we can really do is if we are at conflict is we can just try to really do our best to set emotional boundaries and in a loving, in the most loving way we know how. Um, and and this is a skill, you know. We don't learn this overnight, you know. We don't learn ways of setting boundaries overnight. And in part of setting boundaries is you are going to get resistance and pushback. So just just take the feedback seriously take it as seriously as you can anyway don't allow it to occupy and rent time in your head um and just focus on your end of the street you know am i doing everything i can to create a loving healthy relationship here and acknowledging that you don't have control over how how others react and that's not just for your mom but it's just true for every relationship we don't have all we can control is our end of the relationship. And it, it, and sometimes that means that we're going to set a boundary that other people are not going to ever respect or appreciate. Or maybe it just takes time for that boundary to take root. Because remember, if we don't have a history of setting boundaries with people, their initial gut reaction is generally going to be visceral. You know, that it's going to be shocking. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be awkward. Um, but all you can do is really kind of hold the line, you know, know where your limit is and, and try to be as compromising as you feel is, is appropriate without fully sacrificing your boundary. Um, because there's certain limitations in which we do have to be rigid, but but again, we we don't be afraid to reevaluate. Um, but again, that comes with a trap. You could easily cave on a boundary, which isn't healthy either. So it's very difficult. It is relationships are hard. But like you said, if you value the relationship and and if you want that relationship, then it's worth the effort. You know, it's worth the time to try to figure out what boundaries are necessary to keep that relationship healthy. And you can't really control what other people do, unfortunately. I wish I had a perfect solution to that, but it, the relationships are so complex. They got a lot of history and dynamic there. That, And and like I said, I always say this on the show, if you need to speak with somebody, uh, this is literally what therapists and psychologists exist for. This is their job. It's to help people emotionally navigate complex relational issues, assuming you have a decent therapist or get a decent therapist or psychologist. If that one doesn't communicate to you in a good way, find someone else. You know, that's kind of all you can do. I'm not saying that that's what you should do in this situation. It's just something to be have in your back pocket. You know, if a, if a, if a relationship becomes so difficult to navigate that you, you feel like you've exhausted all of your options, it's, it, it's very useful to have outside perspective, especially if they, they're not emotionally invested in the relationship to kind of help you set those boundaries and give you feedback from a third non-emotionally invested party. But that's just something to have in your back pocket. But at the end of the day, only we can really navigate those 
on our own. You know, our psychologists and therapists can't do it for us. <laughs> so it's a skill we need to learn. So I guess see it as an opportunity. Because if you can learn to do this well, then, then it should also t give you skills to navigate other relationships well. So Gloria says, have figured this out with my daughter-in-law. Um, that they are toxic, toxic plus controlling. If they couldn't get their way, they would blackmail myself and my son. Probably emotional blackmail. It's a real popular tool. I'm throwing that in there to do what they want. Plus being told we weren't allowed to go anywhere because it wouldn't wouldn't benefit, wasn't a benefit to them. Also, they would complain if we went out just for the little things. Even if I had to go to work, they would complain on that. I've decided to walk away from this toxic situation. Plus got to protect my disabled son from the situation. Obviously, it sounds like a a complex issue and it does sound like a boundary issue right um and, and and a lot of this is just learned behavior over time if you've allowed yourself like you have to take some responsibility for your end of that you've allowed yourself to be taking it taking advantage of in certain situations for a long time and so you know take you you do need to kind of own that side of it like if you've allowed yourself to be taken advantage of that's on you you know to a point but it's also on them because they've allowed it to happen as well. And they've allowed that unhealthy dynamic. It, it creates an unhealthy power dynamic. You know, it's not a, it's a, it's not a relationship of mutual respect. Um, it's a kind of a master slave relationship almost in which one person controls the other person follows. And that is not good. So, um, I can't give you specific advice to your situation. And, and like I said earlier in the, sh in the show, I don't, I don't, these issues are extremely complex and they have a lot of history to them. But as you navigate that, reading books like the Boundaries book, I always recommend or keep your love on. Um, I think, I think you setting boundaries is extremely important because it, it at least begins the process of, setting that relationship up for success and like you said it sounds like you had to go nuclear initially but that doesn't mean you like depending on how much you value the relationship it doesn't necessarily mean you have to completely cut off the relationship now there are obviously certain situations in which the relationship can't be salvaged but it always it's always good to be open to the idea that even if you have this temporary separation that you can kind of come back and rebuild it kind of in a better way, a healthier way. So um, sometimes we just have to do something dramatic initially to kind of get the ball rolling. And then hopefully that opens a line of communication so that you can kind of come back and meet in the middle somewhere. But like you said, you only have, con like we talked about, you only have control over your side of that. Um, we don't we don't have control over how people are going to react. And if people insist on the relationship dynamic being that they have emotional control over you, regardless of, of your boundaries you set, then all you can really do is 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 be firm in that boundary. Like, well, I'm never going to be in a relationship that's emotionally manipulative, you know, and. It's very unfortunate that this is the only condition in which they want this relationship to exist. And then all you can do is just 
not allow it to happen time and time again and hope that things change. But that's not a healthy relationship. If, if that's the only condition in which they will have a relationship with you, that's not love, right? So... Wendy says, I use the dialectic behavior therapy treatment with my negative thoughts. I'm actually not familiar with that one. That's interesting. I try and I try to stay and restart any time of my day with positivity. I'm tired of living in hurt. I'm ready for positive things. Sounds like it's useful for you and effective for you. So that's an interesting one to look into. Brad says, with my anxiety being uncontrolled, I found myself thinking about what someone said to me more than I should. But I have learned through prayer and listening to your videos, this isn't good. Yeah, it's 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 harder. It's easier said than done, right? To just get off that hamster wheel of the negative thinking. It, it's easier said than done. It just is. Especially if you care about the person deeply and you value their opinion. Um, it's much harder to kind of let those th push those thoughts out the door. Hopefully, you've got a long-standing relationship with them, and you, you and you can kind of hopefully rationalize it as um, something that. Maybe they were having a bad day, you know, whatever it might be. So uh, it is very difficult sometimes to navigate that emotional roller coaster ride of, of, of letting people go. So all we can really do is just kind of, as soon as we let that tenant back in the door, we turn around and let them right back out. <laughs> uh, another thing that happens too is, is generally speaking, um, we get addicted to the adrenaline that kind of comes with worrying. And so sometimes we intent, we unintentionally let thoughts back into our head just so we can worry because worry, I know it sounds weird, but worry does kind of make you feel good. It does give you something to think about, especially if you're bored. It, 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 if you're, if you're, if your mind is something that needs constant activity, anxiety is a, it's kind of a way of, of drinking. I, I, should, I guess I, it, it's a way of intoxicating your mind to give you something to focus on because you're bored. Like you need to be thinking about something all the time. And what actually helped me early on with this overthinking issue, because I'm an overthinker as well, Brad, is um, a devotional of some kind. It doesn't have to be religious, but something that is that is very complicated or heavy that creates something difficult to meditate on and i think i think meditation isn't just like the that's portrayed in the movies where it's some buddha sitting up in a corner um of a temple i think meditation in a lot of ways is just constantly focusing and thinking on something and so sometimes we just need subjects that are worthy of our attention you know worth meditating on and so kind of finding somebody <clears throat> or something, a writer, an author, um, who kind of speaks to us in that way, or a film, or or music, something that really kind of gives us something worthy of our attention and focus, helps with overthinking. If we have this kind of mind that requires um, an immense amount of thought all the time, um, Finding things that are positive for us to meditate on can help with that, I think. It's helped me. And that can be something as simple as music, uh, classical music or techno or whatever it might be. 
uh, could be a film, could be a book. So something to think about, you know, uh, that way it gives us something positive to, to put on that hamster wheel <laughs> rather than, rather than the negative thoughts. Cause like, well, if I have to think about something, it might as well be something constructive or, or something complex like music or something healthy. Um, and then, and then, then we just need to practice mindfulness, uh, practice and acquire the skill of quieting our mind. And that is indeed a skill. Uh, and it's something we have to actually practice at, especially if we are in the habit of overthinking, forcing ourselves to be alone with our thoughts for chunks of time so that we can try to learn how to shut off our brains. So, always have work to do on ourselves, don't we? This is the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast. Thank you all for stopping by today and leaving your comments. I value them quite a bit. I, I appreciate <clears throat> the feedback, and, and it is fun having conversations and discussions with you. If you haven't subscribed, liked, or shared, please do so right now on whatever social media network you are on, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, or Rumble. That helps the show grow. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are distributed. If you find that we are not on your favorite app, please let me know so that I can <clears throat> make sure we get on there. And until next time, don't let anyone rent a space in your head unless they're a good tenant. Thanks again for stopping by. And until tomorrow, let's work on being the best version of ourselves we can today because it's pretty much all we can do. Have a good day.